0: Hello and welcome to the Levelling Up podcast with me, George Swift. The Levelling Up podcast is here to give you the personal development, the entrepreneurial development, and the business growth that you, the ambitious business owner, desires. I'm here to give you the inspiration, the motivation, but above all else, as always, to challenge your aspirations to take you and your business to the next level. Don't forget, subscribe and never miss an episode. In this episode, I want to talk to you about how everyone, how anyone can become brave when they have absolutely nothing to lose. This is human nature. This is our animalistic nature. This goes back through our evolution. It's really simple. It's like when I have nothing to lose, I literally have nothing to lose, in which case I only have something to gain. And if you imagine this was on a set of scales, like a set of weighing scales, on the one side, you've got what I'm going to lose. And then the other side, you've got what I'm going to gain. And As we go through life, these primitive evolutionary principles still play out as what I call mindset mechanics in our unconscious mind, and they're just weighing up the whole time consistently gain versus pain or reward versus cost. And when there's no cost, there's only gain. So even if the gain might only be small, if there's nothing to lose, you'll probably be motivated to go and do what you need to do in order to gain that gain. However, if the gain is huge, and the cost or the risk is really high as well, even though you know you want to do something, even though you know that something's right for you, even though you might desire it, crave it, you might lust after it, the truth of the matter is, if the cost of that is potentially too high or the risk is too high. Even though this thing is good in every single way in every single form, and it could be a huge massive gain for you, the bottom line is the risk will outweigh the reward. Now, here's the thing, the brain doesn't work on one risk factor versus one reward factor. It doesn't work out evenly like that. So our set of scales kind of doesn't work unless if you go back to your law of levers and physics, imagine a set of scales where actually the central pivot point of those scales is not in the centre, whereby the weight is evenly distributed on both sides. Imagine instead that the pivot point favours risk. In other words, it takes less risk to tip the scales in favour of not doing the action or not taking the risk versus the reward. So in other words, let's say you put you know, two rewards on one set of the scale, but you only have one risk on the other set of the scale, then actually, what happens is the risk will still outweigh the reward because fundamentally, the brain will always play it safe. So, the human unconscious, the animal unconscious will always play it safe. That's why in the animal kingdom, we see some, you know, horrific battles and fights and everything else. But fundamentally, more often than not, what you see is the animal's posture, beat their chest. They do everything they can to win the battle without actually going into battle because even the winner of a fight in nature tends to come out losing to a degree. There's a risk that they might win the fight But they might still lose a tooth or lose a claw or sustain an injury that could potentially kill them or make it harder for them to hunt, which may draw out a longer term potential death for them. So most animals in the animal kingdom, even the most aggressive ones like gorillas, for example, polar bears, even these guys typically don't want to fight unless the reward is massive, massive. Typically, let's be honest, it's over mates, right? So male gorillas, silverback gorillas will typically beat their chest and then the other one will beat their chest and then they'll get into it and they'll have that scrap because the reward of winning that fight is so great. Not just a little bit greater than the risk, but hugely greater than the risk. It's hormones, it's testosterone, it's stuff that the gorilla themselves have no control over. And let's be honest, as humankind, we have very little control over. It stirs up this incredible force, this incredible potential rage that overrides any kind of risk factor. Now, we have this in us as well ourselves, and we've probably experienced it in our life, where we lose the fear, right? We're so pumped up You know, we're so focused on the goal. The goal is so huge, so big, so overwhelming compared to the risk factors involved that the risk factors literally diminish in the background. This is how evolution determined it to be. The silverbacks gorilla come together. The winner of this battle, not only do they own the territory, but they also own all the female mates within that territory. Evolution has determined that at the end of the day, we must. Reproduce. We must pass on our genetic matter and therefore nothing else matters in that moment. So, therefore, you will get two silverback gorillas come together and potentially it will kick off. Not every time, because even though the reward might be amazing, if one gorilla's brain, they're not thinking the same way we're thinking, but if one gorilla's brain gets the message that this is too risky, even though the reward is huge, they'll still back down. Does this make sense? It's only when both alphas come together and they both have the same degree of drive for that reward. They both have the same degree of reward in place, the same degree of confidence, if you like, in their own abilities, their own belief Okay, they might not have it in the same way that we do, but the brain is working very similarly. So it has that belief that they're going to come out on top, the belief that they're going to win, the belief that even if they don't win, it's still worth taking the risk. These are all mechanisms that are playing out in the animal kingdom and they're playing out in us as well. So whilst I'm using the words like they think and they believe or they trust, what I mean by that is not obviously they're sitting there necessarily having the same cognitive thought patterns that we are. look far too happy and far too less stressed than us to be constantly having the same internal dialogue that we have. But fundamentally, the same mechanics are playing out in that gorilla or in any animal that are playing out inside of us. So whenever there's something desirable for us, it's a reward, it's a gain, it's something positive for us, for our survival, for our experience of life. Whenever we see something that we want, the brain is always having this set of scales in place and weighing up the risk to it. Now, you might even look at this on the minor scales effort. So let's say, for example, I put a 10 pound note on the floor at your feet, or you stumbled across a 10 pound note. That's probably enough for most people to want the effort to bend down, pick up the 10 pound note and put it in their pocket. Does this make sense? Now, what if that 10 pound note was at the end of the garden? Now, you may still be highly motivated to go to the end of garden. So your kids come in and say, dad, there's a 10 pound note at the end of garden. Now you don't say to kids, right, you go and get it for me. The whole presupposition of this is that you have to make the effort to go and get this thing. So you're there and you're thinking, right, a 10 pound note, do you think must go and get that right now? Now, if you were down to your last five pounds, the chances are you jump up and get down to the end of garden before it was picked up by a bird or before it blew away into next door neighbor's garden, you'd probably be highly motivated to get up out the chair, get your shoes on. If it's raining, get your coat on and get to the end of the garden and find this £10 note. Let's say, for example, though, you know, you're know you doing okay financially. £10 is you know, it's enough money to pick up off the floor. It's enough money to not want to lose it. But it might not be enough money to make you drop what you're doing now, go out in the rain, put your shoes on, and everything else. So there'll be a percentage of people that would immediately go out and get the £10 note. But I would wager there's a huge chunk of you right now that you would be motivated to go and get the £10 note, but not immediately so. And what you'd probably do is something like, next time I get up, I'll go and get it. Or next time I go in the garden, I'll get it. Does this make sense? So just by moving it to the end of the garden, now there's no risk to this. You're not going to die between now and the end of the garden, okay? What the risk is, the risk is, is the effort involved. There's an amount of effort to go and get this £10 note, maybe an amount of discomfort in getting wet or you know, an amount of effort in putting your shoes on and stuff like that. And you're going to go out there and that's enough to start tipping the balance. So on the one hand, 10 pound, if you lost that 10 pound, you'd be absolutely maybe gutted because the risk is I've lost that 10 pounds. There's no gain, right? It's just loss of something. So if you lost 10 pound out of your pocket, you'd probably be potentially fuming, maybe kick yourself for it. You know, you'd be gutted at it. But if it was on the floor in front of you, you would pick it up, not your 10 pound, but you know another 10 pound note, there'd be enough effort to pick it up. If it was at the end of the garden, 50, 60, 100, 200 feet away, you might have to weigh that up a little bit, not consciously, but unconsciously. And if I said to you, it was on the other side of the road outside the front of your house, you might not even bother going at all. And if I said to you, it's half a mile up the road, Most of you listening to this right now wouldn't get in your car or wouldn't walk half a mile up the road to pick up that £10 note. Why? Because the effort involved, which whilst it's not risky, is equating to risk. In other words, I'm burning a lot of energy. I'm putting myself out. I'm using my energy, using my calories. If we go back to the animalistic background, I'm using my calories, which are hard to come by, to walk, to get a small reward, as you see it. So you might not even be bothered. There's another risk in there, which is, well, the chances are it's blown away. The chances are someone else has picked it up. So now it's a diminishing reward, which is if it's there, then £10 is worth having. But to go all that way is costing me a certain amount of energy and time. And the fact that it might not even be there, suddenly it's not worth going. So then I say to you, right, how much would need to be up the road for you to warrant going up there? So let's say it's a mile away. There's £10 waiting for you. Would you go? Well, some of you might. If you lost last £5, last pound, if you have nothing in your pocket, you may well go and get it. But I'm willing to bet a majority of you would not drive or walk a mile to pick up that £10 note for the reasons I've just said. So the next question is, how much would you do that for? So just ask yourself, how much would you do it for? There's a risk... The risk that your brain sees it is on burning energy and burning time and that to go and get something. The risk is also that it might not already be there because someone may have picked it up or it might have got blown away or an animals picked it up and run off with it. Maybe the person that told you was having a laugh at your expense. So there's an amount of risk there that it might not even be there when you put the energy into to go. Plus there's the energy to go there in the first place. So then the question is, how much would need to be on offer for you to warrant doing that? Would you do it for 50 quid? Would you do it for 100 pounds? And just ask yourself, honestly, your kids come in and say, we saw 100 pound in the street. We saw 100 pound in the corner. you know wherever it was, right? And let's take away all the other stuff. There's a whole lot of other factors in here, which is you thinking maybe it's someone else's, You know, maybe someone else put it there for someone. You know, Take all that out of the equation. It's a really simple equation, which is there's a certain amount of money that you are free to have, right? Okay, there's no legal implications here. You're free to have it, it's a mile away, a certain amount of effort, a certain amount of energy, how much do you go? 100 quid, 500 quid, 1,000 pounds? At what point would you say, yeah, definitely worth the effort? Let's say you said, right, 100 quid, i would definitely go and have a look, right? Up to 100 quid, I'm not sure. 100 pound, would definitely go and have a look. So now let's move it further away. Let's say it's the other side of town. It's five miles away. Would you now go five miles for 100 quid? And if I start doing this, you start to see the scales in play. We're loading up on one side and we're loading up on the other side. So would you go to the other side of town to pick up a pound that was on the street, even if you knew it was 100% there and being saved for you, would you walk or drive five miles to pick up a pound? The chances are you wouldn't. The moment you start thinking someone else has probably picked it up by now, there is no way that you would make all that effort to go and pick up that quid. So how much would need to be there if it was on the other side of town, five miles away? Would you do it for 100 quid? Would you do it for £500, £1,000, £10,000? And let's say, for example, you said, you know what, for £500, I'll definitely drive five miles to go and pick this up. Right? I'd definitely go, and even though there's a risk it might not be there, even though it's a risk that somebody else has already taken it, et cetera, et cetera, for £500, quid, I'll get in my car now and I'll go and check it out. So then I say, okay, what if this was the other side of the county, 20 miles away, 30 miles away? Would you go for £500 pounds if it was 50 miles away? So you can see that it's not fixed reward versus risk. It's constantly evolving based on the input. So it's like a mathematical equation where one side goes up, just like it set of scales, one side goes up and therefore it tips the balance. But if one side goes up, but the other side also goes up, then it's gonna tip one way or the other based on how those forces play out. And again, we always go to the side of risk. In other words, we play it safe. It's human nature. That's why when you're thinking about going 50 miles away, your brain starts thinking, is it worth the effort? And your brain focuses straight away on, it's probably not going to be there. It's going to take me an hour to get there. It's probably not going to be there. Someone else has probably found it. Realistically, is it worth going there and finding nothing? Well, if you're looking at the positives, you're saying, Hang on, it's a two hour round trip, hour and a half maybe, to go and see if there's a thousand pounds waiting for me. That seems like a pretty good use of 90 minutes of my time. But the brain doesn't look at just one side of the scales. It has to weigh on the other one. So it's weighing up the other one and saying, right, but there's a really good chance it's not there. There's a really good chance this and that and blah, blah, blah. And suddenly, even though it's a thousand pound gain, it stops being a thousand pound gain and it starts to diminish in overall value, even though the intrinsic value is still there's a chance of you getting a thousand pounds. Does this make sense? So I started uh, saying this to people in groups and I started running some sessions on this. And I say, you know, how far would you go for a million pounds, even if you knew it was certain? So let's take away any doubt. If you knew with beyond all doubt that there was a million pounds waiting for you, how far would you go? So, well, guess what? If I put in a briefcase at your feet, I would expect you to be pretty quick at picking that up and grabbing it. If, for example, it was on the other side of town, five miles away, I'd expect you to definitely go and get it. 50 miles, 100 miles, I'd expect you to go. Now, let's take the car at the equation and so say you have to walk there. How far do you walk to pick up a million pounds? Well, I don't make You, making a million pounds in business is a lot of hard work. So my brain starts doing the scales and it starts saying, okay, well, if I pass up on this million pounds, the risk is it's going to take me however long in my business. It might take you five years in your business to make a million pounds, it might take you 10 years to get a million pounds in your pocket clean. So you now you're weighing it up thinking, right, you know, I might not get this opportunity ever again. So you can see the scale starting to play out. So I'm saying, now, how far would you walk? I'd expect you to to walk 100 miles if you can. But would you walk 1,000 miles? And the sacrifice you'd have to make to walk 1,000 miles. So the sacrifice, you know, you can't leave in hotels. You can't, you know, this is you doing nothing but walking and sleeping on the street. And the challenge is, how much would you go through to pick up that million pounds, knowing 100% for certain that million pounds was there for you? what would you do? I mean, it could take you five years, 10 years to make a million pound in business potentially, certainly a good few years. So would you sacrifice one year on your feet walking across Europe and you know, you might even make it into Asia by that time. Would you spend a year walking knowing there's a million pounds waiting for you? How far would you go? Would you walk to the other side of the planet? Would you take two, three years out of your life to go and find this million pound? Now, you're making huge sacrifices here. You're not seeing your family. You're not seeing your loved ones. You're not investing your time in anything else. You're just trudging, just walking and sleeping under bushes and sleeping in doorways. How far would you go? Now, every person who's listening to this podcast right now will have their own distance that they're willing to go. Richard Branson might not walk to the end of his garden to pick up that million pound, I bet he would, but he might not go to the other side of town. You know what I'm saying, right? Because the reward diminishes as a perspective of the percentage of his overall wealth. So him going to pick up a million might be similar to us going to pick up 100 quid, right? So you might find that he wouldn't sacrifice walking 1,000 miles because he might make 10 times that in his other businesses, in the same time that he's sacrificing, so his scales will be set up differently. I'm willing that you'd be willing to sacrifice a fair amount for a million pound, guaranteed, but there'll be a cut off point where you say, it's not worth it. Even though a million pounds is so hard to come by. The reason being, the risk associated with that. It could be the effort, the risk of not seeing your family, the risk of missing out on something, the risk of the pain, the hurt, of just walking and walking and walking. Now, let me add in there the risk factor that it might not be there. So I say, look, it's going to, you know, it's two and a half thousand mile walk. Going to walk over into Asia. There may or may not be a million pound waiting for you, right? Now, this isn't like a 99% there's not. This is like a 50-50 call. So 50-50, when you get there, there may or may not be a million pound. I bet you almost instantaneously your brain says it's not worth it. You've got a 50-50 chance of sacrificing a year or whatever it takes to walk 2,000 plus miles. You've got a 50-50 chance of picking up a million pounds. That might be the best odds you ever get of getting a windfall like a million pounds, right? Overnight. But most people's brain will switch off because the degree of doubt that I've just brought in is enough to disproportionately tip your scales in favor of not taking the risk. So the question is this, what percentage would you go for? if there was a 30% chance it was there and a 70% chance it wasn't there, would you still go? If it was a 10% chance it was there a 90% chance, would you go? So here's the interesting factor, right? Even at 2080, say, 20% chance it's there, 80% chance it's not there, that still might be one of the best odds you ever get in your life of getting a windfall of a million pounds. But the chances are Like most of you right now are thinking, there is no way I would sacrifice a year or whatever it is of my life, all that effort and all that pain to walk all that distance just to see a five to one against chance that there's a pot of gold waiting for me. So most people don't do it. This is why most people do not commit to their businesses. This is why most people do not commit to their marriages. They don't commit to their health. They don't commit to their finances is because nothing is guaranteed. There's no guarantee that if you give everything to your marriage, that you'll have a perfect marriage, a long lasting marriage. That even if you do commit everything to your health or everything to your gym routine or to your physical health, that you'll get the six pack, you'll get the health, you'll live a long and vibrant life. Look at business, you know there's no guarantees that if you commit everything to your business that you're guaranteed to get a big windfall at the end of the day or even to earn a really good living along that journey. There's no guarantees on these things. And because there's no guarantees, the brain is constantly weighing up the effort, the risk against the reward. And most people simply do not commit to things in their life. Not the way that I'm describing commitment. Commitment is where you go all in on something. You give it everything, unconditionally go all in on your life, on your business, on your finances, on your marriage, on your health. And I'm the same because I have the same mechanisms in my brain. So certain aspects of my life, guess what? I'm fully committed and I'm fully engaged because I have a a, a degree of certainty. I can't be 100% certain, but a degree of certainty that if I do commit myself to it, that there's a really good chance I'm going to win. But also there's a certainty in me, which is if I don't commit myself, I definitely don't get to win. And the pain, the risk associated with definitely not winning is one that will push me to really go for something because I'd much rather live in the possibility that I could win than the certainty that I won't win and therefore my scales start to tip. Does this make sense? But do I commit 100% to everything in my life? Of course I don't. Because just like you, I have my own doubts, I have my own reservations about whether it's worth it or I don't have enough certainty around the outcome to warrant the degree of commitment that I would need to make in order to bring about that outcome. So most people what we do is we half assed commit and we get half assed results and we miss so many opportunities that are in front of us because our brain is still playing out this set of scales and it's so risk averse that we're always playing it safe. So instead of committing ourselves fully and running the risk of failing and therefore going back a million years, probably we would have died. That's what failure meant back then. So we're bringing that thought process into the modern world where the failure of not achieving this thing probably isn't certain death, but we're playing out the same mechanism and therefore we're being unnaturally, albeit very naturally, being held back from committing ourselves to the very things that we're frustrated that we haven't got the results in. So the bottom line is really simple, right? When we have nothing to lose, we all become courageous. We all become brave. We all put the effort in. If you're down to your last penny and there's £10 and it's five miles away from you and there's a 50-50 chance it's still there, if you're down to your last penny, the chances are you'll get up, you'll walk across town to see if that £10 is there. We all become brave. We all become courageous. We all become heroes when we have nothing to lose. One of the biggest traps that I find in business is as you start to become successful, as you start to have you know the nicer things, the nicer house, the nicer car, the established business. You start to have people working for you. There's a, a commitment to payroll. There's a, a risk now that if you make a mistake in business, you can start to lose things. And we're so risk adverse that we actually start to not risk anything. And by not risking anything, we start to risk everything because we no longer move forward. We no longer commit to things. We no longer go for life like we used to go for life because we lose that courage, that bravery. We lose that commitment to the unknown, to the possibility, to what could be, to what might be, to what may or may not be available to us. And we start to hold on tighter and tighter to what we do have. And the more we have to lose, the less courageous we are, the less willing we are to gamble what we've got. And I see so many business owners that get trapped by their own, what I would say, you know, moderate success, not huge success, but moderate success. You know, they've got the, the nice house and they've got the nice car and they've got, you know, the nice holiday they take every year and a nice TV and it's not amazing, it's not perfect, it's not like a billionaire lifestyle, maybe not even a millionaire lifestyle, but you know what, it's a solid good lifestyle, especially from where they've come from and now they're trapped by that because they lose all of the drive that got them to where they are now because there's a risk of loss. So the whole point of this episode was you to reevaluate your own life and see where you're playing it too safe. To have a look and see where you're being artificially held back from commitment. See, if you've got nothing to lose, the chances are you're going out there like a man or a woman with nothing to lose. And that is a formidable opponent. You know, when you've got someone out there who literally has nothing to lose and you have someone going against them head to head and that other person has a lot to lose... I'm telling you now, the one with a lot to lose is probably going to back down. The one with nothing to lose has got nothing to lose. It makes you a very dangerous person in the world when you have nothing to lose. It's the criminal that's taken a hostage and you've got the police negotiator trying to talk them down and you've got the criminal that has a family, he's got a wife, he's got kids, he's got a future. That person can be negotiated with. The criminal that takes a hostage that has nothing to lose. It's like, if I let the hostage go, I'm going to go to prison. Or if I let the hostage go, you're going to shoot me anyway. That person is a very dangerous person. The person that has nothing to lose in that situation is dangerous. Now, of course, I don't want you to be dangerous in that way. But what I'm saying is when you have nothing to lose in your business, you'll go out and sell like you've never sold before because suddenly... It doesn't matter whether you fail. It doesn't matter whether you don't get the sale. It doesn't matter if you're ridiculed. It doesn't matter if you're tired or worn out because you need it so much and there's nothing to lose by going for it that you're free to fully commit to it. And that makes you a very formidable person. So if you've got nothing to lose, you've got nothing to lose. Go out, commit, 100%, all in. If you've got something to lose right now, no matter how small it is, understand that this is holding you back. Now, this isn't about you becoming foolhardy. I did a podcast episode uh, many episodes ago where I was talking about you know, taking all of your assets liquidating them into cash, going over to Vegas and sticking them on black because you've got a 50-50 chance. It actually works out more like 49-51, I believe. But you've got like a 49% chance that you're going to double your money in one throw of that ball. You're probably never going to get those odds ever again. But what I did say was I wanted you to understand the nature of kind of what we're talking about here today again, which is how risk plays in and stops us from taking really calculated risks that are good for us. Now, this isn't to say you should go to Vegas. This isn't to say that you should be foolhardy. This isn't to say you're supposed to go all in, headstrong into something and risk everything you've built up over the years. But it is to show you, once again, to repeat that theme that I said in that episode, which is that the perception, it's not real, the perception of risk associated with taking an action is likely to outweigh the gain unless the gain is two, three, four, five, ten times the risk. Does this make sense? And sometimes it's the right thing. You'll be manipulated to not take the risk. For example, you think it'd be a good idea to, I don't know, a thousand feet up in the air and there's this beam of wood that's six inches wide, and there's a part of you that feels the urge to try and cross. This thousand foot drop on this beam because the reward is the fun, the excitement, you know, feeling brave, feeling good about yourself. And rightfully so, the brain kicks in very quickly and says, This is not worth the risk. If you get to the other side, you'll feel good. You've achieved something. But if you fall, you're going to die and lose everything. In that set of circumstances, I'd say your brain's doing its job right. It's holding you back from taking completely unnecessary risks. But let's say, for example, you are holding on so tight to your business right now. You're holding on so tight to your finances right now, especially given the economic climate we find ourselves in the world right now. You're holding on so tight to the money in the bank that you're not taking the risks of investing that money in your future and therefore you are not moving your business forward. You're not progressing your business and you're artificially being held back by the perception of risk. Does this make sense? From doing the thing that maybe you might calculate logically is the right thing to do for your business to get you the overall growth. So, right now, for example, it's really uncertain, okay? You know, you may have money worries, you may have some financial difficulties. Let's say you've taken the government up and you've taken one of their loans or you've taken them up on one of their schemes and you've got some money in the bank right now, but you don't know what next month's going to look like or three months in the future. So you're sitting on 20 grand and you're thinking, I might need that 20 grand in the future to pay my wage bill or to pay my electricity bill. So whilst I know that by not investing in my business, my business is going to crash, my business is going to maybe slowly decay over time. That's a long-term risk, but right now the risk is very small. But if I spend the money and then the money's not here in too much time when I need the money, that risk is going to be so huge. It's going to be very immediate and I'm going to be out of business. If I'm out of business, I'm going to lose everything. So now instead of being the smart business owner that's taking the calculated risks that we have to, and also the calculated risks you've probably always taken in life and in business, suddenly the scales are tipping even more in favor of playing it safe. And now we're holding ourselves back from doing the very things that we know are the right things. So, again, this isn't to tell you to invest money. This isn't telling you to spend money. This is none of those things. What it's telling you to do is telling you to be super smart about understanding what you need to do, where you need to go, the stuff you need to take action on in order to bring about the result that you're looking to bring about. It is about weighing up those risks cognitively and logically and with all your intelligence as a business owner. But once you decide that something's the right course of action for you, you don't want to be unnecessarily held back by all of these antiquated, primitive mechanisms this set of scales that's so risk adverse, it's holding you back from doing the very things you need to in order to save yourself, to save your business under the misconception that you're taking a risk that could cost you. the And all these forces are playing out and manipulating you. And one of my core messages in everything I do is about getting you to become the boss of your life again, for you to be the boss of your business, to be the boss of you, and to start to take charge of your own life rather than allowing your unconscious to dictate and manipulate The course of your life through the actions you're allowed or not allowed to take, based on these mechanisms, these mindset mechanics that sit deep in the unconscious mind that have been there for millions and millions of years that kept us safe until this point in our life, but now can be the very mechanisms that can hold us back and make us unsafe moving forward in the society that we find ourselves in. I don't mean just right now in the current circumstances, I mean right now in our current civilization. Become the boss free yourself to do the things you need to by being aware of these mechanisms and understanding what's going on inside yourself so that you can be free to start to dictate the course of your life and you can start to determine the future that you want to create for yourself. Okay, thank you for listening once again. I do not take it lightly. I'm well aware that many people are vying for your time and attention right now, and therefore, I always appreciate you taking this half hour or so with me today. Don't forget, if you're a small, ambitious business owner, you want to take your business to the next level, the Six Figure Fast Track, it's a webinar masterclass waiting for you right now. It takes you through the six-figure mindset, the six-figure business model, and the six-figure methodologies that you need to have in place in order to take you and your business to the next level and to achieve 100K in turnover in the next 12 months or less. And this is the same rules that apply in a good economy, a downward economy, or whatever the fuck economy we are in right now, whatever's waiting for us down the road. The same rules apply to business growth. Get your five-figure service-based business, whether that's 20, 30, 40, 50K in turnover, to 100K or more in the next 12 months or less. Go find that at uk forward slash fast track. I'll drop the link in the descriptions below. Have an awesome week. I will see you on Wednesday. We'll do it all over again. Until then, as always, be successful. Leveling up. Extreme business growth through raising your game. When what was once extraordinary becomes ordinary, you know you've leveled up.